Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. One kid walked up to me after a show. He's probably a fourth grader, this boy. He walked up and he, he handed me a quarter. And he said, hey, you did a really good job today. And I said, thank you. I appreciate that. And prior to doing this, I was kind of a high-strung, stressed-out dude. And uh, But then working with kids, it's like, no, man, you just got to be right here, right now. So that's my message for adults is look to kids and think about yourself when you were a kid, right? All right. You ready? Let's go. From Fox 4 News in Kansas City. Are we rolling? Are we on? Hello? I'm Nick Vassos. <laughs> this is Signal Hill. Jim Cosgrove has been rocking families for two decades, affectionately nicknamed Mr. Stinky Feet by his young fans, following the release of his 1999 signature hit song. Did you know, before Jim's days as a traveling musician, he wrote a parenting column for the Kansas City Star? And did you know that he was the only dad in Moms to Moms blog? Many of those entries turned into a book, Everybody Gets Stinky Feet, released nearly two years ago to the day. That's right. How about that? Mm -hmm. I've done a little bit of research on you, Mr. Stinky Feet. You have indeed. And uh, he talks about what it was growing growing up as a child among uh, eight siblings in an Irish Catholic family in Kansas City, celebrating the sweet and smelly bits of life. We welcome back Mr. Jim Cosgrove, also known as Mr. Stinky Feet. Good to see you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate yeah, it. You just got back on the off the road from I a, did. How many gigs and how many days? Uh, 15 shows in eight days. Wow. And, Where'd uh, you go? Where did I was you? in western Kansas. I was on the prairie. And so I was working out of Hayes, Kansas, and I played a bunch of small communities out in western Kansas, and it was awesome. It was, it was really cool. I bet you get some of the funnest reactions from kids because... As you know, Jim, kids will say the darndest things. That's <laughs> true. And that's what keeps me going. I mean, so so in that last week, I saw, well, I was there for five days. And then it continued. I came back this way and played some show. I played at Fort Leavenworth on Saturday and, um, and a show on Sunday and Monday. But um, so when I was there for five days, I saw 3,000 kids in the, those five days out in western Kansas. And um, it was uh, it was just amazing. It's so cool, and and the kids are what keep yeah keep me energized. Right? You you look energized. You look invigorated. Yeah. You know, yeah, a, a I feel four, like you've been twenty years at yes, this now as years, a musician yeah. on the road, right? And you come back from doing yeah. fifteen shows in eight days. I think is yeah. what you said. Yeah, you're fired up. You're yeah. ready to go again. Well, now I will say so. Show fifteen when that was. Over and I knew it was over. <laughs> I, oh, sure. I came down a little bit, and I was like, right? "Oh man!" Uh, in fact, Jenny, my lovely bride, mm-hmm. who, who is my manager, she books everything. She's always, you know, she she's always watching out for me. So she books a day off and here and there, and and you know, you need a day off. And when I'm off, I'm thinking, well, "Why am I not working today? How come I don't have a show today?" She's like, because you need to rest, right? You need to chill out. So uh, 
So she, yeah, she's she's great she's yeah. about doing that. But here's the thing: is, is so when we're on the road, um, I, I get a ton of exercise in the shows. Uh, honestly, I feel like Mick Jagger on the, sh- you know, like running back and forth and. But still, I still need to do keep myself physically fit. So I still still working in a few workouts during mm-hmm. that week and and um, stay st- I stretch constantly just because you know as we get older we I, gotta do that <clears throat> I know I need to do more yes. of it myself you and I are right yeah. about the same age yes, and right. you look great you look physically yeah. fit when I saw you coming to the station today I was like wow what Thank are you, you doing yeah well like, well running all over the stage shows. yeah exactly <laughs> carrying equipment hauling equipment in and out of the car yeah. and then after here you're gonna head uh, back on the road you're gonna be heading down to uh, Arkansas yes I head to Arkansas tomorrow yeah, um, playing at Crystal Bridges Museum of it's the American Art Museum in in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, and man, it and we play there. I, I say we because I sometimes go with my family, um, but I've play, I don't know I've played down there at least once a year, sometimes twice a year for the last seven years about, and it's a gorgeous place, man. It's cool. Isn't that where all the where the Walmart yep. people are it's, there? It's, and, it, and it's uh, actually the museum was started by. Um, one of the daughters of, of Sam Crystal, Walton. Is it Crystal Palace? Crystal Bridges. Crystal Bridges. Yeah, yeah. And it is, and it's nestled in this kind of uh, gully where there's uh, just, there, there are trails around it, uh, bike trails, and it's, oh, man, it's gorgeous. And there's some great, they bring in a great collection of art. Well, they have a collect, great collection of art, and then they bring in rotating art. Wow. And then they do things for families down there, too, So and it's free. So um, I'm doing a family show down there tomorrow. Well, there's also some pretty good like nature scene <clears throat> down there in Arkansas, oh. and you could incorporate a trip to the Crystal uh, Bridges. I mean, yeah. that could be like a family vacation Absolutely. for people right there. Oh, it's it's, it's three hours, and it's uh, yeah. If you if you're a biker, you bring your bikes down, and I mean, if you're yeah, just want to get out in nature, yeah, it's gorgeous down there. Wow, yeah, how cool. far is your reach, uh, Jim? How far how, how far out do you go? Like, where do you go across the country? Well, <clears throat> it's we've kind of reined it in over the last several years. Um, we used to travel a lot more, and so in 20 years, I played in, I think, 38 states, and uh, we've played in Germany and Italy and England and Spain and Mexico and Canada, and a couple times at the White House, the White House Easter Egg Roll, um, back in the mid-2000s, and uh, it, it, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of territory, and but a few years ago, Jenny said, uh, my wife, Jenny, said, uh, you know, we could probably get as much work within a four-hour radius of Kansas, radius of Kansas City, uh, you know, as much work as we need. And sure enough, we realized, you know, we don't have to go so far. I mean, it was fun, and it was great when the kids were younger, and they were a little bit easier to move around. Now, you know, they're in uh, middle school and uh, uh, eighth and sixth grade, and uh, so they're involved in more stuff, and so they don't travel with me as much. But um, so we decided that hey, with with yeah, within and, and being in Kansas City is perfect for that, right? I yeah. mean, within four hours, we've got a bunch of major cities and uh, a lot of small towns that, and I will play small towns the rest of my life if uh, if that's the case, because man, they they come out and support you. Some yeah, of your, I guess, some of your biggest. Audiences have been from small towns. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I mean, it it depends. I mean, we've had some, we've had some big audiences in a lot of places. But, but yeah, I always tell a story. One uh, one year, I had two shows in Denver, and so we were looking at the real estate between here and Denver, and we're like, well, there's a lot of territory between here and Denver. Maybe we can schedule something. And we, um, 
landed a show in Colby, Kansas, which is, if you've ever driven out to Denver, mm-hmm. you know, Colby is the oasis on the plains. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, there's a little community college there, and I, I played a show in their uh, auditorium. It was on a Friday night, and, um, you know, we didn't know what to, what to expect, but we had like 500 people show up, filled this little auditorium at the... Uh, at the, at the community college, and we sold a ton of product, you know, CDs and T-shirts, and I had people coming up to me saying, well, we drove 75 miles to come to this show, you know? Wow. And, and, uh, and it was, it was crazy. And then next day we pressed on to Denver, and I had two shows over the weekend there, you know, and they were fine, but there were, you know, 100 people in one and like yeah. 80 in another, and, you know, sold a few, few things, but... There's a lot going on in Denver, right? I mean, <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of competition for entertainment. And um, so I realized, hmm, I will, I will <laughs> gladly play small towns the rest of my life, you know. And uh, you make a connection with people in small towns, too. Totally. Well, and, and really, I mean, you just nailed it. That's what keeps me going is, is making a connection with, with people. A lot, of, a lot of people say, you know... Um, Oh, you're you know you're goofy on stage or whatever, and it's like no, actually that's not my. Or when they hear I'm a kids entertainer, they're like, oh, and I'm not a Teletubby, and I'm, I understand that you have an affinity for Teletubbies. Is that correct? I, <laughs> since you brought it up, <laughs> I had this child, I had this nightmare, this reoccurring nightmare when I was between six and like ten years old, and I, it must have happened at least once a week, okay? And so I'd fall asleep. And in my nightmare, there was this Teletubby-looking thing that had a hose connected to what looked like to be a a vacuum cleaner. And whenever this little mean-looking thing, whatever it was, would throw the switch on, I would stop breathing. Oh, and then and then uh, I'd wake up gasping for air from from that nightmare, and it happened over and over and over. And then today, I see this Teletubby. With a hose connected to what looks like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, there it is. Yep. I, this thing gave me nightmares when I was a kid. Wow. Uh, anyway, I yeah. Digress. Well, see, it's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people immediately go there, like, oh, you're like, you know. And so I know Jenny and I were talking earlier today about, <clears throat> you know, she's like, no, I see you more as kind of a mix between Mr. Rogers and Mick Jagger kind of together <laughs> like, oh, I like okay that. i kind of yeah. like that yeah right exactly so uh but it's about making connections right it's about making connections with kids and audiences and, and it's not so much about being goofy and cutting up but really making a connection and so so this past week out in western kansas um i had uh i just i, I love like after the show kids come up high five fist bump whatever i get some hugs and this kid one kid walked up to me after a show he's probably a fourth grader this boy he walked up and he he handed me a quarter and he said hey you did a really good job today <laughs> and i said thank you i appreciate that and i've learned over the years of course when a when a child offers you something, you take it. And if if somebody is offering you a compliment and a quarter, you take them. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> absolutely. That might have been the only quarter he exactly has, and he's going right. to give it to Mr. Stinky Feet. And I thought, what? A, that is awesome. That's so sweet. That is really cool. And then and then a couple days later, I was playing in a school, and and um, so I do a, a thing with kids where I, I bring them up and I play and I get them to play in a band, and I talk about how we express our rhythm. And I say, you know, everybody dances different, really. You know, some people dance with their heads or their elbows or their toenails or whatever. Um, but, and, and I met I met this girl uh, one time uh, who had no legs. And she came up 
uh, in, in a chair, a wheelchair, to the to be in the band, and she rocked out. She danced like I never saw anybody. She was pushing herself up off out of the chair with her arms, launching herself up. And I'm like, <clears throat> man, you don't even need legs to dance. So after the show, this boy walks up to me, and he didn't say anything. He walked up to me, and he just smiled, and uh, he pointed to his leg. And then he bent down, and he lifted up his pant leg, and he showed me he had a prosthetic leg. Mm-hmm. And he, he knocked on it, and then he just gave me the thumbs up like, Oh my gosh! And I'm like, what a cool story! I was like, right on, dude. <laughs> and I said, hey, wait a second. I was like, hey, man. So you probably you rock out, you dance really well with that, and you run. And he's like, yeah, I'm like oh no gosh. problem. And then he turned around and he went out to recess. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. So now, it was like, that, yeah, that he, doesn't energize you. What? Yeah, right. You know what will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a good it's a and good. And everybody has their own rhythm. I love that message too. Yeah, right. And then that's kind of what, so when I go to schools, that's kind of one of the things is uh, it's called respect the rhythm, and it's a, it's about respect, but learning to respect our own rhythm, finding our own rhythms, right? Everybody and and then realizing, hey, everybody on the planet's got a different rhythm. My mm-hmm. rhythm's different than yours, and um, and once we get comfortable with our rhythms. Uh, and respect our own, we can respect other people's rhythm, and we can respect the rhythm of people we don't even care for right. <laughs> that much, you know, so. How did you develop your programs for the shows that you do? Uh, and then what are the programs that you offer? Yeah, so so I do, for schools, I typically do this respect the rhythm, um, which kind of just stemmed out of my interaction with kids, and actually everything I've developed has come from my interaction with kids. So a lot of my columns that I wrote for the Kansas City Star came from interactions with kids um, and uh, all the lessons that I've learned. And now I've started to do presentations for adults. And so I do, yeah, so I do programs now for adults in corporate settings. And um, so, uh, so they'll bring me in and, you know, do a keynote an hour or something. And one of my messages for the adult audience is live like a kid lives, you know, live like a child. And kids are successful at living because they live in the present. They're not, they, they have, I mean, you know, being a dad, a kid can throw a tantrum and be, and then 10 minutes later, it's like a whole new, like it never happened. Like, because they've forgotten about it and they've moved on. And they have no concept of the future because particularly, you know, an early age there, you know, you tell them we're leaving in, we're going to go see grandma in three days. And then it's like an hour later. Is it time to go see grandma? No, it's in three. They have no concept of days or hours or time, which is great, which, which requires them to live in the present, right? They're always right here right now. And I love that about kids. And I, so, and I, and prior to doing this, I was kind of a high strung, stressed out dude. And, uh, but then working with kids, it's like, no, man, you just got to be right here, right now. So that's my message for adults is look to kids and think about yourself when you were a kid, right? We're most successful when we're right here, right now. Wow, that so, is so cool. Yeah. yeah, and we didn't mention that. You, you also, yeah. along with being a musician and a performer and an author yeah. and a journalist, a motivational speaker. Yeah. For, yeah. for uh, you know, corporations will hire you for your keynote speakers, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, it'll, it, it takes some some sales on that sometimes. People are like, now, wait a second. You're Mr. Stingy Bean. How does that apply to our, <clears throat> you know, uh, actually, it happened organically. Somebody came to me. So I got a, I got an email, and this was, God, this was 15 years ago. Um, it was a uh, 
<laughs> it was a software company that makes software for the rock quarry and gravel pit industry. So a very specific yes. uh, <laughs> application, uh, software, software application. So like, hey, we're having a users conference in Kansas City, and we want you to come and speak to our users conference. Do they know about you? And I, I said, know you, but had, you're... I said, do you know what I... Okay, like, how does this fit with gravel pit guys or whatever, like, <clears throat> rock quarry? I'm thinking Flintstones and, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like, um, so they said, no, 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 we've been to your website, we think it's great. It's it's going to be a very dry conference, and we need something to kind of perk it up, and the people here are their, their parents, their grandparents, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I, I hadn't even crossed my mind, so I'm like, um, so I've learned also with an opportunity knocks you say yes you open the door and say sure i don't had no idea how i was going to pull it off but um so i went to work and put together a program and it went off it went off beautifully and i was like hmm i think i think we could do something with this so then i've i've done it for a bunch of other organizations and you know i i do uh, a lot of teacher groups and and librarians and that sort of thing too but i've done stuff for hallmark which got me a a, a gig at Hallmark for a while. Editor and, at Hallmark. That's another thing we yeah, didn't yeah. didn't mention here. A little hometown yeah. company in Kansas Yes, City. you bet. Yeah, I did I did my yeah. presentation at an event at Hallmark one time, and a couple people came up and said, hey, have you ever thought about working here? And I said, nope, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And, <laughs> but six months later, they called me back, and I was like, you know, sure. What, why not? Let's do it. So, wow. Yeah. Hey, let's take you back to uh, 1978, because you're a Kansas City guy. I am. And uh, <laughs> you... Um, your first job, yes, was from a, a person that many Kansas Cityans know. You you called it uh, the six million dollar man, and evil Knievel rolled into one. Good, yes, you're right. Now who who would that be in 1978? That was mm. evil Knievel and the six million dollar man rolled into one. I don't one. know. Those are two really good guys to look up to because I looked up to both of them myself. Hmm, who could it have George been? George Brett. Yes, that's who it was. <laughs> right. So I was. Uh, I just finished when I was the tail end of my seventh grade year, and um, and um, or was it eighth grade anyway? Um, so I, my dad came home from work one day and he said, "Hey, I hear George Brett's moving into the neighborhood." And we lived in Brookside, <clears throat> and my and he was moving into Brookside, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I know a guy who knows a guy, and he's looking for somebody to cut his grass." And he said, "You want the job?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> sure. Uh, what do I have to do? Do I have to do a test or anything like that? And they're like, no, just show up. And so I showed up at his door and I said, hey, uh, so-and-so sent me. And, you know, and he's like, all right. And he said, well, let me show you the yard. And I went around and looked at the yard. And I'm like, and it wasn't that big, you know. It was uh, like, uh, it'll take me 45 minutes to do the front and the back maybe. And um, and with a push mower, of course. Yeah. And uh I was like, ah, 20 bucks. And he was like, great. And so I did it. I cut the grass. And afterwards, he, he, he gave me 40 bucks. And I was like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I said, I, I, you know, I, we agreed to 20, right? And he said, yeah, 20 for the front, 20 for the back, right? <laughs> I said, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, I'm making 40 bucks an hour nice. in seventh grade. What, like, who, <laughs> when's that going to happen again, right? But it was, uh, it was a great summer. It was, uh, and, it, and then I went in into the next winter where I was shoveling his walk and stuff, too. But. I can only imagine. And it was a crazy time, man. So 77, se- Royals were hot. Yeah, there. they were hot. So it was, so that summer, that, well, that fall then was when they were, uh, I think that was the third time they played the Yankees. 
um, in a row, 76, 77, 78. Yeah. Uh, and so it was right after that. It, it, it was that that uh, series where he hit three home runs off Catfish Hunter in one game, and they still lost. The Yankees still beat him. I think it was Chris Chambliss who hit a home run at the yeah, end. Yeah, Dan. That, that might have been, been, oh, been. Yeah, it, it was just a heartbreaking uh, yeah. thing. And so at the end of that season, he uh, he cleaned out his uh, his uh, uh, yeah cleaned out his uh, locker and he gave me one of his bats. And you uh, still have it? I do. I still have it. Oh, and, 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 uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, and uh, and right before our wedding, Jenny had. Uh, arranged to have him autograph it because I didn't have him autograph it. But my dad told me when I took the job, he's like, "Remember, you're here, there to do a job. This is, this is about doing your job. You know, don't ask for anything extra. Don't, you know, don't milk it. Don't try and." So I was just there to do my job, and he uh, early on he offered me a glove. He was like, he was like, "Hey, do you, you know," because I was playing baseball at the time, right? And I had my little J.C. Penny special little mitt that I'd use for several seasons that was junky and. Um, and he said, hey, do you, need, do you need a ball glove or something? And I'm like, oh, no, no, thanks. Thanks, I got one. Appreciate it. You know, didn't want to overstep my bounds. You know, I'm like, come on. Man, he was offering you a glove. Take it. For right. sure. Right. So, but it, it was, it was, God. it was fabulous. How neat is that? So yeah. those are the kinds of things that you, that you wrote about in yes. your Moms to Mom column for yeah. Kansas City right. Star. And, and how, was it strange at the time that you were the only dad among the, the writers in that column? <laughs> well, um, yeah. So... They were. I don't know. I don't know how it came about, but um, yeah, it was a. It, at the time, it was all a blog for moms, right? And I think somewhere along the line, somebody thought, well, it'd be nice to get a dad perspective in here. So um, they asked me, I think, to come in, or someone I knew who was doing. I can't even remember how that happened, but uh, so I just started doing a, a blog, a, a blog entry, like every uh, every four weeks, you know, or something, um, and then. Occasionally, they would take some of those and put them, print them in the print edition. Mm-hmm. And then um, they did away with the blog, and then they kept four of us as a rotation for the uh, parenting column in the Star. So I did that for so all told with the blog and the column about six years. Yeah, gosh, and you wrote a lot. You wrote a lot wrote of stuff. A lot of stuff. So, and I was free to do write about whatever I wanted to. And so you wrote, wrote about scary stuff too. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You bet. I mean, I wrote about wrote about your family. I, I mean, yes. about your mom. I wrote about about your daughter. My, yeah, wrote about my mom dying. I wrote about our, our daughter uh, uh, getting hit in the head with a, a baseball at a at a minor league baseball uh, game that turned into a pretty intense time. Yeah, um, and out of that came a lot of great stuff. Man, we met a lot of great people and uh, got a song out of it that uh, we've uh, has. Actually, that song is um, it's called "Let's Stick Together." And uh, can you play? What, why don't you play? Yeah. Can you oh, play sure. just a little I bit can, of it right now? That, yeah. And so this song, uh, so we were, uh, my daughter had gotten hit in the head with a baseball. <clears throat> we went to the, uh, and we were in Wichita, went to the, went to the hospital. The trauma doc we first saw said, if she lives, she could, will likely have some severe brain damage. <clears throat> but the. Uh, the neurosurgeon is on on his way, and he'll check her out. So in that hour that we were waiting, we were oh. you know pacing oh. the hall, Jim. and oh, yeah, I yeah. I mean, imagine. no parent right yeah. wants that. So Jenny and I are are walking the hall, and we we got our arms around each other. And our older daughter Lida comes up between us, and she she was two and a half at the time. So it was what's amazing, right? And how amazing kids are, intuitive they are. 
she put she was two and a half. She put her arm around or, or an arm around Jenny's leg and an arm around my leg and kind of pulled us together. And she started to sway back and forth and she started to sing, "Let's stick together, let's stick together." And I was like, "Whoa!" <clears throat> like, how did you like? She just intuitively knew. Mm-hmm. That that's what we needed, right? That something's going on. I'm not even sure what's going on, but I know it's not great. Yeah. Uh, but what do we do in those situations? We stick together is what we do. And I'm like, absolutely, girl. And I told her, I said, hey, when your sister is okay and when she gets out of the hospital, you and I are going to write a song together and we're going to record it. And she said, okay. And so we did. And we got Let's Stick Together. So, uh, And I've had many occasions to... <clears throat> to uh, sing this song for other other groups. Uh, it's a good community building song. Sometimes when you're feeling down, maybe it's time to gather round. Grab your friends and family. All join hands in harmony and stick together. Let's stick together. The allergies are getting me here. (laughs) And then we'll, uh, I'll jump to the bridge here. Every now and then the days get tough. And you feel like you just had about enough. Well, I know you'll be fine every time we are near. I'll be standing by your side. When we stand against a storm, clouds give way to a sunny morn. We'll hold each other in a tight embrace. There's no challenge we can't face when we stick together. Let's stick together. And then we, and then we all sing. This is where, where Lida's part comes in like this. <laughs> Let's stick together. Let's stick together. Let's stick together. Let's stick together, let's stick together, let's stick together, let's stick together, oh, oh, let's stick together. Mr. Stinky Feet. Thank you. Uh, Jim Cosgrove is with us here on Signal Hill. That is so, that's a really neat story. Thank you. Yeah, and that's kind of been our message then. From from that point on, it's like, you know what? That's what we all got to do, right? We got to right. stick together as a community, as a f- human race, whatever. Oh, my gosh, that's a that's a big message for yeah. just about everything that's yeah. happening out yeah. there right now. Exactly. Do you try songs out on your daughters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so what? I, you know, I started before I had kids. I started before I was married. Um, I started writing songs to my nieces and nephews. So I'm the youngest of eight. So a lot of my siblings had kids before I did. And so uh, I was the uncle who had the guitar and just kind of goofed around and played goofy songs. When did you take up the guitar? I started late. I, st- I was 19. And I literally, literally, literally went to the library, checked out a book that showed me where to put my fingers, a picture chord book, and I taught myself how to play some cowboy chords. When and did you feel you were proficient? Oh, never. I have not proficient yet. <laughs> or, hardly ever. I beg to differ. Okay, but. well, I mean, I, I so now, you know, I, where I started with like three or four chords, I'm now up to seven or eight. And <laughs> I regret, you know, I use them over and over again. Um, 
But but here and and there was a lesson in that too. I it was a I went through this huge imposter syndrome like a lot of artists do. Like, who am I to be doing? I'm not a guitar. I taught myself. I don't even know. I don't know anything about music. I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about. Uh, you know, performing. What I just I'm a hack. I just you know I just hack out these chords and. Um, and then it took me a while to kind of get past it and realize, you know what? Oh. It's not about that anyway. It's about connecting with an audience. Right. You know? And, um, and what I did then was surrounded myself with people who were better than me. I said, you know, I got some band members who are awesome. And like, hey, you guys know about this, uh, and you can help me out. I've learned a ton from those guys. And, that was a, uh, a trip that you made maybe 10 years ago to Los Angeles when you were in the recording studio there with some musicians? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, swimming we, with Noodles? We, yeah, Swimming with Noodles, yeah, we did. I did in L.A., right? It's the only album I did out there. But here, no, I just surrounded myself with local musicians like my buddy Mark Thies, who's, who's been my bass player and my engineer and producer for... 18 of the 20 plus years um, and then uh, allowed Dean Ottinger Dean Ottinger who's my drummer and he's a world class drummer he plays all over the world literally still and uh, so those guys have been helping me for years and then the other uh, the, the musician family in this town is pretty tight and pretty awesome well that's yeah. how Kansas City is I mean yes. we're, we're kind of a <clears throat> I'm not sure if this is the right word. We're kind of a provincial town. Totally. I mean, we, yeah, to yeah, be, yeah. you know, if you're from Kansas City, you're one of us. Yes, you know what right. I mean? And if you're not, right. you're not. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to think we're not like that, but we are. I know. Yes. Well, we've got kind of a chip on our shoulder, <laughs> yes, too, right. because people fly over us all the time, right? Right. right. Anyway, they don't, they don't know what they're missing. Right. That's for sure. True. True. Um, yeah. Um, so... Let's... Let me... Uh, one thing I've always been curious about here, you were successful as a... <clears throat> feature writer in New Mexico. First off, yeah. let me back up here and say that you have a journalism degree, I believe, uh, from Marquette University. Correct. And you have an in you're an English major. Uh, and where was that? Where well, or master's in English. Yeah, I got a master's in creative creative nonfiction writing, which okay. is like creative journalism. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, I, I wrote I wrote nonfiction because I was a journalist. So, but I wanted to write feature stories. You get a little bit more leeway to be mm -hmm. more creative. So I went back and got a. I went to the creative writing department at the University of New Mexico, and I said, hey, could I do nonfiction? And they said, sure, no one's ever done that before, but yeah, go for it. So I, everything I did for my creative writing master's was nonfiction. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that, <clears throat> that led you to an opportunity to write feature articles, and then uh, that led into an opportunity to do some public relations? I worked for uh, Sprint. I was, a, I was a PR guy for Sprint, and I was a media spokesman for one of their local telephone divisions in Tennessee for a while too, yeah. and eventually you made uh, the leap of faith yeah. to become a full time musician. Right? Yeah, that must have been a hard choice. It was, but you know what's cool is that when opportunities come up, um, yeah, you got to take the leap. But man, once you make one, the next one gets a little easier, and the next one gets a little easier, and the next one. And uh, so, I was <clears throat> actually I was living in New Mexico. I came back here to work on my master's thesis. Uh, which is about a family from Kansas City, and um, and I am resurrecting that master's thesis right now. Actually, it's a project I'm working on uh, and turning it into a book. But it's about a family from Kansas City, and I came back to work on that project and thought I would just be here for six months working on it, and I ended up staying. Um, and I started, yeah. So I kind of fell into this. Mm -hmm. I was teaching seminars. I was teaching writing and, and uh, grammar seminars for a seminar company here in town. And, um, and you know, I was playing the guitar and singing songs, and a friend of mine asked me to come out 
she worked at Barnes and Noble, and she said, "Hey, you play the guitar? You come out play on a Saturday morning?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And um, so played for a story time out there, and um, some parents came up to me afterwards and said, "Hey." Do you have a CD or a tape that we can buy? And I said, no, I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> they said, yeah, we like your music. Great. Well, maybe I should get one of those. So I put to, we wrote, got these buddies of mine who were better musicians than I, mm. got together in a, a, uh, a studio in Lawrence and uh, recorded our first album. And people liked it, and they bought it. It was Bop Pop Dinosaur was the name of the CD. And then people liked it, and so we did another one, and another one, and another one. And, and by... Then that was in 98. So by 2000, people were asking me to play live shows. And then I realized, hey, wait, I could probably do this full time, amazingly. I mean, who? I had no idea, right? How exciting. Didn't even set it. So in 2000, I took the leap and said, yeah, you know what? Let's do this full time. And then I met Jenny. She hired me to play a show. And she carried my guitar. And then, <clears throat> and then she, we got married. And about a year into our marriage... She said, hey, I want to quit my job and come work with you. <laughs> like, talking about another leap. But we took right. another leap of faith then was, well, wait a second. We got your health insurance and we got your income to help, you know. She said, and then, but we decided, you know what? Let's do it. So, so it's a family affair then. Right. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. And she, you know, I, and I couldn't, have, couldn't have been hooked up with, mm -hmm. with a, a better partner than her. That's for sure. Wow, that is, yeah. that is great. Also, uh, before I, because I want to, I want you to play a couple of songs here. Yeah. Uh, some of your more popular songs here, but um, one of the one of the fonder memories I have about doing stuff with families was going out to Jiggle Jam with oh, with yeah. my wife Wendy and my young son Gus and oh, I mean, yeah. we saw you. Awesome. We saw they might be giants yes. who sang some of the coolest kid songs I've ever heard. Yeah, those guys are great. Oh my gosh. Awesome. The Zeros, you know, the they're Zeros. an 80s band. They're, I mean, they're, they're, you know all the community yeah. of, the, of, of musicians yeah. here, but, and you created Jiggle Jam and it had a gr really great run down at Crown yeah. Center and hasn't been back for in a couple of years, but gosh gone, that was, that was just great. And I just awesome. want to acknowledge that. It was Thank really you. fun. It was, it was a lot a of fun. A lot of family times. Time. Yeah. We, we, uh, we joined forces with, uh, with, uh, Kelly Wenzel at O'Neill mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Communications, who then they do Irish Fest, and um, kind of Crown Center came to us and said, "Hey, you guys know family music. You guys know festivals." They said to O'Neill, "Put your heads together and come up with something cool." So um, we said, "All right, let's do this." Was it a six or seven year run. We had seven years, and uh, yeah, it was great. And we brought in some great bands and and the kid huge, bands huge crowds. Too. Yeah, huge crowds. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was really awesome. And and we've 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 talked about resurrecting uh, something uh, similar to that. We, it's not got, been put away just no, yet. No, no, good, no. Good, 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 good. It's fact, too good. Had, to... In fact, we had a conversation about about three months ago uh, with some people about wow. doing something. Okay, so, so I've got to follow up on Jiggle Jam, and I also yeah. have to follow up on your book. Yes. Oh, what is that book? What do you think you're going to have that sucker done? Well, that's a great question because it's been stewing for 23 <laughs> years. So, uh, so, uh, <laughs> but it's but we're making some great headway. So this is a story about a family from Kansas City, and, and I won't get into too many of the details, of course. And it's a family who is recognizable. Some some people, a lot of people know oh. them here in town. Okay. And uh, a big family, and they uh, one of their sons um, disappeared in 1982, um, and they never heard from him again. And they spent nine years looking for him. They didn't know uh, what had happened to him. And after nine years, with the help of a detective from Kansas City, Kansas. They found that he had been murdered in a small town in South Carolina uh, about five days after he left home. 
and he left home just to kind of go on a road trip. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so for nine years, the sheriff and the coroner in this little community in South Carolina, they had an unidentified body, unsolved murder. They, they didn't know who this was. So they had spent that time trying to figure out what happened. And so uh, I went down there, 20, that was 1995, I went down there and start, interviewed a lot of the local people and kind of pieced together something that may have happened. And, um, and it started to ring true for a lot of people. And so I wrote, I wrote it as my master's thesis and kind of let it sit. Um, the mother, the matriarch of this family, asked me not to publish it because she wasn't, she wasn't comfortable with it being published at the time. Before she died, <clears throat> many years later, she, she approached me and she said, hey, I've reconsidered and, and you have my blessing to, to go ahead and publish this. So we're, we're going down there. Uh, and I say, we, my brother, one of my brothers and one of uh, the victim's brothers is going to go with me to South Carolina in two weeks, and we are going to go back and revisit uh, some of this, some of the scene down there. And he's buried there, so we're going to visit mm-hmm. his grave and and um, kind of and put a new twist on the story, a new light on the story, and then we're going to bring it back. So it's wow. pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, um, pretty. So it was like investigative journalism. Yes, a little bit like that. Yes, yes. You creative so. nonfiction. Wow. <laughs> Why didn't you become a journalist? Why well, I was. Well, I mean, I mean like, okay. you know, like, you know. So, yeah, so when I, when I got out of uh, journalism school, I um, <clears throat> ended up teaching, actually, high school journalism at a small, small school on the, on the Navajo Indian Reservation in western New Mexico. And so from there, though, I made some contacts with Sprint. I came back here and worked for Sprint as in PR, so I was a writer <clears throat> for, for Sprint. And worked corporate for a few years. Went back to New Mexico, got the job at the newspaper, but I was a feature writer. Gotcha. And that was fun because I was interviewing people right. who were doing cool stuff. You know, it wasn't I wasn't covering city council meetings. And that's true. And you're making more money too. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That too. It was fun. Hey, right, let's let's talk music here, and um, let's hear a couple songs here from Mr. Stinky. V. All right. Uh, and I'm, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Which one's... Uh, oh, man. Oh, you know what? First off, can we do, can we do one thing real quick here? Yeah. Before we play some of your songs off yes. your uh, albums. Can you... Do you remember the first song that you played on, on the guitar? I do. You do? I do. Is it is it suitable? Let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I, I think it was... Um... Well, ha! <laughs> <laughs> Cat Stevens song. Don't be shy, just let your feelings roll on by. Don't wear fear, or nobody will know you're there. Just lift your head and let your feelings out instead. Don't be shy. Just let your feelings roll on by, on by, on by. It's a little rusty. By, on by, on by, on by, on by, on by, on by. Yeah, so it's awesome. Cat Stevens' Don't Be Shy. That was the first song I learned to play on the guitar. Holy cow. And I still almost remember it. Influence. You did great. I mean, thank you. Yeah. Uh, probably been a while since you played that one. It has that been one. a long time since I played that song. Yeah. Um, so, who are some of your influences? Um, 
Well, a lot of rock and roll, you know, a lot of like The Who and, um, and uh, The Stones. Um, but, but yeah, and, and a lot of the folk singers like um, Woody Guthrie and, um, uh, uh, and Cat Stevens and... I kind of grew up with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And, oh, for sure. And, uh, and that kind of stuff. And Jimmy Buffett, a lot of Jimmy Buffett. Awesome. In fact, early on when I was playing, a lot of parents were like, you're kind of like a Jimmy Buffett for kids. And I'm like, <laughs> well, okay, I'll take that, sure, yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to let you choose here which one mm. you want to play here. Um, what's your most requested song, you think? Is it is it Mr. Stinky Feet, or is it... Uh, Stinky Feet is, is uh, yeah, Stinky Feet, expe- you know, everybody expects to Bop, hear Bop that. Bop Bop Dinosaur. Bop Bop Dinosaur was the first one, and I play uh, that almost every show. I, do you? And I've done 4,400 oh shows or something. Goodness. I've played it Spaghetti with Goofballs. Yeah, I wouldn't get a, re- get no. a request. You, you sing about food, too, you know. Oh, yeah, we sing a lot of f- songs about food. Driving down the road and Papa says, what do you want for lunch? Peanut butter. What do you want for lunch? Peanut butter. What do you want for lunch? Peanut butter. Jelly and jelly and jelly I mean, who doesn't like a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich on a road trip, right? Yeah. Crunchy or smooth for you? Oh, I'm a crunchy guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, and then we talk, and then I go around and ask kids what they like with their peanut butter. I'll eat mine with gooseberry jam. I'll try mine with honey baked spam. I'll eat mine with pickles if you please. I'll even try mine with a slice of soggy cheese. What do you want for lunch? Peanut butter. Yeah, that's always a good oh crowd. My gosh. Good sing along song. Yeah. That is so Lots fun. of songs about food. Um, yeah. What are you working on? Um, some songs that I can't remember right now. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a song called uh, um, In There Are Cars that's, uh, I'm, I don't even know what key it's in. I'm looking out my... Mm, We're getting some insight into yeah, the process yeah. right now. I'm looking out my window at people driving by today. I see their mouths are moving, but I don't hear what they say. What do they talk about in their cars? What do they talk about in their cars? They talk about this, they talk about that. They talk about should I get a hat for my cat? And something on the windshield just went splat. That's what they talk about in their cars. So it was inspired by watching my kids and other kids sit in their car seat they sit in their car seat and they look out the window with this longing look like, what's going on out there? And they see all these other cars going like, who are those people? And what are they doing? And what are they talking about? Yeah. So that's wow. one I'm working on. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. And uh, what's what's ahead for you? And we know you're leaving for Arkansas uh, tomorrow here, but oh. what's some of you have some big stuff coming up that we need to let people well, know about? Uh, the summer tour kicks off sooner than um, I, I'd imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, we have... Um, so we got a ton of shows. Then I, I, I work kind of a ton from end of May through the middle of August, and uh, so I, in that time I'll do ninety to one hundred and 
10 shows or something. I don't know, something crazy. And we'll be in several states. But uh, always something going on around here. Check the website. And, and I, honestly, if Jenny were here, she would she would know. And this happens to me a lot. Of, people will stop me in the like a grocery she? store and say, <laughs> and they'll say, hey, we'll see you next Tuesday. And I'll say, yes, you will. I have no idea she? where you will see me, but I'll be there. Yeah, I was... Jenny and I were exchanging messages, and she said, "Oh, he's going to have a lot to talk about. June and July are going to be amazing. He'll, he'll you guys well, will have fun." Well, there are. So I mean, yeah. so we're going to be up in <laughs> Iowa doing some stuff, um, playing in Lamar's Iowa, which is I didn't realize which is the ice cream capital of the United States. I didn't wow. know that. I did not know that. Yeah, it's that. a big dairy place. So uh, they're having an ice cream festival. So I'm playing up there. Um, and then, Chillicothe, Missouri, the home of sliced bread. Home of sliced bread. I've played the sliced bread festival nice. before. Oh, you have? I have. They do the sliced bread festival. <laughs> it's really awesome. Like, who knew, right? Exactly. I love that. Yeah, oh. there's there are a bunch of communities up there. You know, up near Chillicothe, you've got that. You've got um, where there's the... Was boy, Cameron up there? Where was the boyhood home of J.C. Penney. The boyhood home of oh, Walt Disney. Yeah. If you've ever never been to Marceline, I played Marceline. Actually, I think I'm going to be back in Marceline this year. Cool little town. They got a cool little museum there, a, a, a Disney museum. I mean, it's all up there. General Pershing is from up there. Um, it's crazy. Look at that. Oh, a lot of history, history up there. I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. yeah. That. So a lot of stuff going on and a lot of stuff around here. So I'll be playing a lot of the uh, uh, Kansas City Public mid Mid-Continent Public Libraries and uh, Johnson County Public Libraries during the summer. Jim and festivals. JimCosgrove.com, yeah. right? JimCosgrove.com or MrStinkyBeat.com. Either one works. Okay. And yeah. you're available on all of these uh, media channels. You're on, like, YouTube. Yes. You're on, like... Uh, YouTube you know, and uh, Spotify. Spotify and... and Pandora. Pandora. And, iTunes. Yeah. I mean, you can get all... And, oh, if I can say something about YouTube. Yeah. So, my song, Stinky Feet, P-U... Um, it that the video there's a music video on YouTube on my YouTube channel so you okay. gotta check that out it right. has almost two million views on it and it's been wild it's been on YouTube for twelve years it's crazy that YouTube's been around that long so but it all the you know and it's just been kind of trucking along picking up a few views over those years but in the last two years it just like we've had a million and a half views in the last two years like out of nowhere it just like became super popular so we have almost two million views so That's if you haven't awesome. seen it go see it. Push us over the two million mark. All right. That'd be awesome. Well, we'll check it out. Stinky feet, P-U, stinky feet, P-U. My brother's got stinky feet, P-U, stinky feet, P-U, stinky feet, P-U. My brother's got stinky feet. He takes his shoes off at the door. He throws his socks right on the floor. He rubs his toes and says they're sore. I don't think I can take it anymore. Stinky feet. Stinky feet, my brother's got stinky feet, stinky feet, stinky feet, my sister's got stinky feet, she wears the same socks every day, she tells my mom she likes it that way, I think she's scaring her friends away, I just don't know how to say you've got stinky feet, stinky feet, stinky Just a little snippet of it there. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Uh, Jim Costco, Mr. Stinky Feet. Great to catch up with Always you. Always great to catch up with you, Nick. Uh, Thank so you. you can, Appreciate it. So glad you can come back and join yeah. us on Signal Hill. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah, cheers. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.